friends, it's us. I am Steph Beagle. And I am Lauren Abney. And this is Well Behaved. We believe balance is a bit overplayed and way overrated. We've embraced finding our perfect blend of wellness with a twist of tequila. This podcast delivers wellness remixed from face slapping facials to the ABCs of CBD. Living your best life and finding what's right for you is what it's all about. Let's do this. Hi, doll. Hey, babe. How are you doing? Great. How are you? <laughs> it's like, I think we should tell our friends that we've been talking for like 46 minutes before this. It's like we're pretending that we just met. I know. And we just hit start recording and then yep. we pretended it was totally different. That was cute. So different. So great to see you. Hope you're having a great day. Oh, I can't wait to see you. I know. In an upcoming episode, we're going to reveal why we're not together. Correct. And we're going to reveal that we love to do our own alone moons, but together. (laughs) Together moons, (laughs) but with no one else. (laughs) Yeah. I think those are called honeymoons and like, it's okay for us to have a honeymoon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I guess that's when when you're with someone else. Okay. Here we are. Um, today's episode is with Andrew Lacey from Prenuvo. This is like a really dope full body MRI scan technology that scans your whole body and then leverages insights that they've gained through AI, keyword, to be predictive of potential ailments, et cetera, that you may have going on within your body. Um, I got to be real. I'm super into this, but you know, I want to know everything about my body. And I think for a lot of people, it can be a little scary. So, you know, would you want to know, I think is a big question. And, and we talk about it a lot with him. Um, and personally, I would want to know. If right. I have the ability to like live a longer and healthier life, I want to know that information as soon as possible. That's fair. I will say that the one of the most interesting things I thought about the episode was how he shared the buckets of information you get back. So it's not all just like, you might have cancer, right? Some of it is just like um, your heart health, like what what your heart looks like from an age perspective. So I think that is one thing to like um, kind of combat that fear factor. Like it's not like everyone comes back with a deadly disease, right? Yeah, and it really could be you have a some degeneration in your spine because you have poor posture, right? Like, someone actually should work on that. Totally. Someone shared with me recently that they had always had knee pain and they saw they actually had like a cyst on their knee. Like, great. Just going to get it removed. I know. I thought that was really cool. So like that is, I think it it can be as big or small as just like better understanding your health, being proactive. And for anyone to your point that like likes to know we're seekers, we like information. Um, I do think it's, it doesn't have to be doomsday. You can really think about it as taking control of your life. And like we we spend so much time and money, you know, with services and putting good things in our body. Like, I'd love to know what else I could be doing proactively. A hundred percent. So I will tell our listeners, yay, we have a, um, what's that called? Coupon code? It's a code. It's a discount code, I would say maybe. But if you want to call it, it's not on Rakuten. (laughs) No, no, babe. Put out um, your code, bring it in an envelope to the grocery store. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a code. It's a code. Um, we have a code and it is well-behaved. Uh, for $300 off. And additionally, you can use your FSA or HSA. So all of a sudden you take this, what can be a a pricey element, you get a 30% haircut by using HSA or FSA and then $300 off with Well Behave. And we'll have a link in the show notes. 
if it feels if it's calling you guys take advantage of it i think it's pretty pretty dope hundo p and then um in terms of what cities they're in you can definitely look at that at their website and um babe i'm excited to share this episode and this information with our friends it feels really good tell us um you know it's a side tangent a complimentary side tangent what you're high on these days boo I will tell you exactly what I'm high on. I know I'm you. high on getting high in the cold plunge. Mm. I just got to tell you, it's become something that is a habit and a ritual in my life. I usually go in for three minutes and do a little breath work while I'm in there. And because I'm, uh, I would go and say a masochist, but maybe I'll say <laughs> genius. I've convinced myself that I look forward to it. And in truth, I really do. It's been a week or so since I've been able to be in the cold plunge and I feel a difference within my attitude, within like a, an energetic level. Uh, and a lot of people are like, I hate being cold. So do I. I am a sunflower. I'm meant to be warm. But with the endorphins that are released in this and the anti-inflammatory, I'm just like really into getting in cold water as often as I can. So Everyone try to put yourself and do it. Just try it out. Try it for 30 seconds. They usually say that getting to 45 is the key number. And after that, it all becomes much easier. So I'm high on cold plunge and I'm going to go on. It's a good one. You've been high on that for quite some time. And so I'm really happy that you've um, shared that with our friends. And I would say for me, it's, it's a random one. I feel like I always talk about food, which is neither here nor there. Um, but I've been really into, you know, like, it's funny to think about all the years of like, you know, you have to eat breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day to like, don't eat breakfast, intermittent fast. Like you do you, but something I've been really finding to be helpful is in the morning. I do love my lemon water, of course, love to call in a little fruit. And I've been doing like protein balls, many different shapes and sizes, if you will. But Mm -hmm. Monica Beagle has been making, which thank you, Monica Beagle. um, She's been making some great protein balls for me that have either collagen power or powder, power, power. power. Yep. Yeah. Um, obviously like Hugh kitchen chocolate, mm. gluten-free oats, maybe an almond butter situation, maybe a peanut butter situation. Maybe we yes. have a tea. Yeah. syrup. So I can share like her exact recipe because she definitely borrowed it from someone else. Obviously we also love to grab um, these similar type balls at ingrained. I put them in the freezer and it feels just like, it feels like a really great way to start your day. And I love, love, love having this as a healthy, non-processed snack throughout the day as well. So um, anyone who has similar balls that they want to share, please do. But I do think there's a lot of different recipes out there, whether you like more sweet, savory. But I do think it's a really easy turnkey, great for travel. I always bring them with me when I travel. And that is, I'm high on balls today. Hell yes. And you know what? I know Monica Beagle is going to love a shout out. No, oh, I want the full recipe. We're going to put it up. Perfect. Ha- you know what, Monica Beagle? I love making you happy. Friends, <laughs> we appreciate you. What else do we have to say, boo? Renovo, Andrew Lacey, we appreciate you. And everyone be well. Let's do it. I feel honored to have our guest today on the podcast, who is Andrew Lacey, the CEO and founder of Prenuvo, the company pioneering proactive whole body imaging and is really on the mission for early detection of cancer and other diseases. It's 
unbelievable and I would go into it, but actually we're going to have Andrew tell us all about <laughs> um, the, the incredible service that's available to patients. A little bit about his background. He's a serial entrepreneur. It sounds like he has a little bit of that uh, history. And Steph and I also have worked in the mobile advertising app, advert, you know, technology, tech space. <laughs> so we have a little affini- affinity there as you were the co-founder. Or he was the co-founder of Tapulous that was later acquired by Disney, Woo-hoo. which seems important. But, um, you know, most importantly, we're going to talk about Prenuvo today and we want to really think about how we can empower our listeners. And this is exactly what your technology does. So we're, we're thrilled. We're grateful to have you on the podcast today and welcome. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Thanks, Steph. Really mm-hmm. great to get into it. That's cool. cool. So as an entrepreneur and you worked in tech and mobile and apps, uh, how do you move into a life where you're founding a preventative whole body scan and wellness business? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been quite a journey for me, if I'm being totally honest. I sort of made a lot of life choices that seemed good at the beginning, but ended up not working out very well for me. So I did pretty good in high school. So I ended up going to law school. And then I went and worked at law firms and I found out that I didn't really like litigating stuff that happened 20 years in the past um, versus building something for the future. Then I went into consulting to help companies build stuff for the future. But then I got frustrated because they didn't, weren't always very good at doing it or um, following advice. Or, and so that, I found that very frustrating. And so I came to the US from Australia to do an MBA and um and this was at stanford so in silicon valley and that was the first time that i was really exposed to like this sort of center of entrepreneurial energy i mean this is going to sound weird but to someone from australia a lot of these tech companies just feel like websites they don't feel like real companies Mm. and when you kind of live in it for a couple of years it just felt so exciting and i knew that that's what i really wanted to focus my time on and, uh, and, and that from there, I started my entrepreneurial journey. Cool. Amazing. Like, did you, if you don't mind us asking, how did that then move into medicine and healthcare? Like, did you experience something personally that made you have an interest in this? I feel like that's typically how, how we see happens, yeah. founders moving into it, but tell us your story there. Not really, but I, there does involve one more step. So my first company, as you mentioned, was a company called Taculus and it was the, very first iPhone company founded after the iPhone launched. And we saw all these people hacking their phones to put apps on it. And we're like, wow, this is going to be a platform. Hmm. And at the time, no one else was seeing it. And, um, and so we started a company and, um, and, you know, we couldn't raise much money because everyone thought that mobile phones were about making phone calls. And hmm. we saw this other use case that was going to be a thousand times bigger, but no one bought into it. So we scrapped around and we found some you know, like angel investors and we grew a little business. And when the app store opened, that thing really took off. And, uh, and we, we had tens of millions of, um, users and, and our KPI, believe it or not, back then was how many millions of hours people were spending inside our apps. That was the sort of like the ticker that we had on the wall. And we did really well. We were one of the biggest companies in the first days of mobile. And that's why we, you know, were able to sell that to Disney. But after I reflected on that and thought about what I wanted to do next, I sort of thought, well, why not take all these things that I've learned, but come up with a different KPI that is more meaningful for the world? And that's mm-hmm. how I ended up in health. 
Wow. Um, and I, I don't immediately sort of land on Pranuva. I tried a few different things, but I kind of just opened myself up to the world and said, you know, I really want to take my energy and enthusiasm, apply it to difficult problems in healthcare and let as many people know as possible. Uh, and sort of a lot of people then came back to me and said, you should talk to X or Y or try and do this or, and so in one of those explorations, I heard about a really interesting radiologist called Dr. Raj Adariwala, who owned this clinic up in Vancouver, Canada that was doing these whole body scans. And so I got on a plane, I did a scan and it totally changed my life. I learned more about my health than I ever thought possible. And from that moment on, it was just clear that we had to bring this to the rest of the world. Wow. It's really dope I to move into a place that's mission driven and it's like you just opened yourself up to what was going to bring the the greatest good, what the universe was going to bring you that could be, help the most people. And you're clearly doing that. Congrats. Thanks. And I think kind of what's interesting is, as I've reflected on, well, what's, what on earth does mobile have to do with, you know, screening for cancer and disease? But I think the common thread there was like, here was this existing technology, which is MRI, which is what we use at Pranuvo. And everyone thinks they know what MRI is for, which is, you know, you have a bad back or you have a concussion, you go get an MRI on that part of your body. And there's this whole other screening use case for MRI, which can be a thousand times bigger. So it just kind of, and yet no one was seeing it. So it felt exactly like the early days of Tapulous. Hmm. And when we first tried to raise money at Pranuva, we also struggled to find investors because they were all, you know, they had doctors or they're on their investment committees or their personal physicians. Oh, no, screening with MRI is a bad idea. And so we struggled to find investors and, you know, uh, eventually we found a great, um, we made a great collaboration with a fund called Felicis, uh, who have enabled us to grow now to 10 or so locations. And um, all of a sudden people are starting to realize that this could be a really transformative change in healthcare. It's amazing too, to see how like technology and accessibility, right? So like, yes, you were allowing people to be in an app store, but now you're allowing people accessibility to like living their best life and understanding their bodies and being proactive with their health. So it's, it's an amazing place to start and really cool to see what you've done with it. Well, and also if you are, the lesson I sort of learned from this as entrepreneur is if there aren't enough people telling you that what you're doing is a bad idea, then it's not transformational enough. True. Oh yeah, totally. Truth. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So, so true. Okay. Well, I don't think we've actually talked about what Pranuvo is. So I'd love to hear from you a little bit about a what what the technology brings, but then also what the experience is. Like, how does a patient find you? What happens when they come in, and then we can talk after what what happened after the scan. Yeah, so um, the vast majority of people that come in these days come in through word of mouth. I mean, that's how I got introduced to technology. Someone mm-hmm. told me about this cool scan. So about nine out of ten people are coming in through word of mouth. Now, why have we grown so much? mainly because we've got some pretty big mouths that have started to talk about us recently. Um, the scan is uh, it's a one-hour uh, clinical diagnostic MRI screening exam. So that's a lot of words there. But basically what that means is we take a lot of the techniques that you would use in a diagnostic setting, um, for example, to do a head MRI or a, a back MRI or an abdominal MRI, and we sort of do this across the entire body in one hour. Um, so you're in the machine for an hour, you watch television while you're in there. It's a really comfortable experience, feels more like a spa. And there's a reason for that. Um, and then within 
a couple of weeks, you have this app full of every organ of your body and everything we see, all of the images. And, um, and if we find anything, and we always find something in everyone, you know, what is it? Is how important is it? And what should you do about it? So hmm. you're in charge of your health. Wild. And obviously we've heard about it in terms of like early, you know, prediction of cancer. But when you say like there's other issues and abnormalities that that come through. So what I mean, if you're looking at the entire body, can you give us some other examples of things that might pop up? We've heard you talk about bone density. And I mean, it's it's kind of it's a little daunting to go in. And you just said like everyone comes away with something. Right. And sometimes it, I think people think like it's better not to know, right? Yes. Like, um, but it's amazing to be able to catch some of these, like a, a disease like cancer. But what are the types of things that you're seeing um, or that, that someone could expect yeah. to see? I mean, there's really sort of three categories of findings that we have. The first ones, and this is really the reason why people come in, is we can find things that are potentially life-threatening. Um, and the two biggest categories of illness that fall in that bucket are cancer. So we can screen for a solid tumor at stage one. So still localized to the organ of origin, including all of the organs of the body that we have no screening program for. Um, and, and then the second is aneurysm. And these are uh, aneurysms are like little balloons um, that form usually at the junction um, where arteries sort of change direction. And this can, this can happen in the brain. It can happen at the heart. It can happen in the abdomen and a few other places. And these, if they burst, they will burst without any warning and they can be mm. quite serious. Um, so, th- so those are, yeah, kind of scary. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so, so that's the first category, things that could really affect how long you live. Mm-hmm. The second category are very early stage chronic illness. So here uh, I'll give you an example, like metabolic condition or fatty liver. Um, we can see who might have fatty liver when it's still very mild. And you might have that because you have bad diet or you might have that because you have genetics that just mean that you put fat in your liver. And knowing about this means that you can reverse those conditions without ever having to go to the health system. And then the last category are really, we really help people understand how they're aging. Mm -hmm. So how the lifestyle you're living is affecting the underlying physiology of your body. And the best example of this, unfortunately, and here I'm like, paying for the sins of my past is, uh, you know, the horrible issue of cervical spine um, from people spending too much time on mobile phones mm-hmm. and computers. <laughs> and uh, and we're now seeing people in their 20s that have a cervical spine like they're in their 40s. And and you really need to know about it early because you can stop the that sort of degeneration and the time to know about it is in your 20s and 30s because by the time you hit your 50s and 60s, it's probably more likely to be affecting your mobility. Wow. And we know that when your mobility is affected, your longevity is affected as well. I'm so like- those are the three categories, life-threatening, early-stage chronic illness, and just feedback on how your lifestyle is affecting your the way your body is aging. Okay, I have two questions. One, two. you only get one. <laughs> no, I'm going to have a hundred. Okay, uh, I think I'm a doctor. One, I, I had a friend that had to have an MRI done on her brain, and then mm-hmm. the next day they were like, mm, "That wasn't it. You're going to have to come back for an MRI on your neck." Like, why does it not? Why is it not looking at 
even oh, something honey. that's so close as a head and a neck. And why are why are our systems not looking at a whole system? Why are technologies not looking at a whole system? Do you want to know the like the real reason? Yes. Of course. The real reason is because the very first radiological modality was X-ray. And the way what they used to do is they put an X-ray plate behind your body, and the plate was only and they would fire X-rays through you mm-hmm. and it would create a photographic image on that plate. And that plate was a certain size. And that's why we only ever take images of one part of the body at a time because of the way we did it 150 years ago. Crazy. I feel like we should keep doing that. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that is definitely the right way. <laughs> oh, and, man. You know, we, yeah, we just decided, look, our bodies are a system. We're not, it's not like we're a collection of, it's like we're a sack with a collection of organs inside. Like they all kind of work together. They speak to each and other. And we can yeah. tell... We can tell a lot about your cardiovascular system by looking at your brain, for example. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of conditions that people feel, they're very indeterminate. You know, um, for example, if you have shoulder pain um, as a man, most likely it's because you overexert yourself playing tennis or golf or something like this. But also it's a common symptom for gallbladder cancer. So, well, you know, unless you or ovarian cancer, you can get pain in your upper arms. Mm. So... Our bodies are very hard to interpret. So why not just look everywhere at the same time? And wow. then you have to spend less time trying to figure out what does a symptom mean? You had a second question? Because okay. I, I have more too. Okay, well, I, okay. I'm on it. And actually I had a third, but I'm going to let no, no, it pass two. for right you now. You can stop it too. <laughs> um, I also have heard you say that this helps scan or only 14% of cancers are identifiable with traditional scan. Is that accurate? It's kind of accurate. Um, I mean, I may have it, made the number up. No, the the number is right. 14%, 14% of cancers are detected on routine screening. Mm. So we have routine screening for colon cancer, for breast cancer, and for lung cancer in heavy smokers. So not everyone does colonoscopy and not everyone does mammogram and not everyone does lung cancer. So there are some in that in the 86% of cancers that aren't caught through screening, it includes some cancers in those organs. But uh, it just means to say that what we're currently doing really isn't working for the majority of cancers. Right. No. So then somebody yeah. has to be like, oh, I saw I had blood in right. my I, urine or I don't like it's this. it's too late. Or, or This is a pain. And so then they're going in mm-hmm. and doing something very, very localized. But you have the ability to see the entire body. In one system. Yeah. And, and, and it's really kind of what's crazy is, is almost like we're selling two totally different services. Mm. The service when a person come in the first time is they're nervous. Like, what are they going to find? Yeah. Right. And the best analogy I have is it's kind of like going to the dentist, not having been for like five years. Totally. The chances of a root canal is just way higher. But then when you come in a second or third time and you do it routinely every year or every two years, it's like going to the dentist every six months. You don't sit there scared. I mean, what are they going to find? doesn't mean they won't find something, but what they find is always going to be early. Mm. It might be a filling. It won't be a root canal. Right. And so the ongoing service really is one where it's designed so that you don't have to spend as many brain cycles thinking about your health, knowing that you're doing one of these scans sort of proactively and routinely to rule out a lot of the crazy stuff that could like turn your life upside down. I mean, this is for me because I love the dentist. I actually meditate in the chair. They say I'm a great patient. That's very <laughs> odd. You are definitely not the norm. <laughs> I've moved my dentist appointment like six times, but like just. Oh my God. Do you know how good it feels after you leave the cleaning? Babe, 
we're different humans. This is why this works. Um, okay, Andrew. Andrew, talk to me about, so someone goes in, maybe it's their first, they haven't been to the dentist in a while, right? Or they're coming in routinely and they are delivered this information. It's one of the three categories. They find something. From there, you obviously share with them what you found. And then are you giving them tools to help them? Are you giving them doctors to speak to? Like, What does it look like after you share that news? Because I'm imagining it's a little scary, no matter what, no matter what bucket you fall in. Um, what types of resources, education, and support are you lending for the rest of the journey? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, when we make a finding, we first of all sort of have categorized the findings that we have between things that we call sort of serious and things that are not serious. And in serious, I say sort of serious because in the sort of serious category includes things that might freak people out, even though they may not be really serious. Right. Um, and for that first category, we usually speak directly, like the radiologist might speak to the patient or we have one of our physicians reach out to them or their doctor. So we make sure that there's someone there that can help contextualize things. For the patients that are don't have serious findings, we typically release their results back to them directly and at the same time offer them to do a call with um it, with a, a someone who's a nurse practitioner that really understands what we do. But what's really interesting is in our healthcare system, we're sort of a passenger for most of the sort of journey. And so it's incredible how little people know. I mean, we'll talk to people who have cancer or had cancer. We're like, well, what sort of cancer? If you had kidney cancer, you know, what type was it? Because there's different types and the different types are really important. And oftentimes the patients won't know. Or we'll say, well, what did you do? to treat it and they'll be like, well, they put me in a machine and something happened. And they, you know, like, so we're, so the baseline of involvement that we have, a lot of people have in their health is quite low. And I think the health system doesn't do a good job of really bringing them along on the journey. So we just find just providing the information in a clear way is very empowering um, for everyone. And it used to be, I mean, I, I turn it, go into the clinics and I see flowers you know, from sending from patients or bottles of wine. I mean, I barely need to, we barely need to buy any wine in our offices because people keep sending <laughs> in. Um, and I mean, I can tell you with all honesty, I've never sent a bottle of wine or flowers to any of my, you know, physicians. So I think that really just represents people feeling for the first time that they're being engaged as sort of a equal in the process of managing their health. Makes sense. I have more questions, but it's okay. Okay, I'll, I'll move to my next question. So I, I know that we talked about the first visit and then are you recommending that people are coming in every six months, every year, two years? And can you start to measure the differences, right? So um, I just had some blood work done that spoke about extrinsic and intrinsic age, I think it was. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And, you know, your biological age versus your chronological, I think would be Ooh, the right word. Thank nice you. Job, beautiful. Uh, uh, beautiful. <laughs> I probably said it wrong though. Um, are you also helping people map that progress? Like, is there a relationship that happens with the patient? We're trying. I mean, it's the very beginning. No one's really looked at people that uh, I want to put in this italics, like quote unquote normal mm -hmm. because they don't have clinically sort of disease that would be clinically diagnosed, they're asymptomatic. That doesn't mean they don't have disease. Mm. So no one's really looked at people very early on. And and when I speak about that third bucket of information that we provide patients, the sort of information about how they're aging, 
really the goal for us is one day to be able to say, to look at every organ in your body and say, well, you know, you're 30, 30 years old, but your brain looks like you're 40, you know, or your liver looks like you're 50, maybe think about stopping to drink. Um, yeah. uh, but your spine's doing really good. Um, why is that? Oh, you have a standing desk. That's great. Keep it up, you know. Um, and so be able to do that for every organ of the body. The same thing that the blood companies are doing for what's what I presume is like epigenetics. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at the epigenetic clock and sort of looking at how your DNA looks compared to your biological age. Um, so we think we can do the same thing Eventually. by looking at your body physiology. Yeah. I think it'd be really interesting. That fell. I think it'd be really interesting also to look at, you know, there's the baseline of what normal is. And that is based on the American who is 80% metabolically unhealthy, that like eats the sad diet. Like it would be interesting to also find like what is a healthy patient and then creating a normal or uh, a data set that's based around that too. You know, typically normal is we see 50 on this measurement, but instead people that are living good lives, that sleep well, that feed themselves, you know, they have 70 and making up data. But um, I, that's a request I have for you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, well, but do you want to know like the really sad thing about that in some ways is having looked at a lot of patients, there's sort of three things that determine your health. There's your genetics, there's luck, and there's the way you live your life. Ooh, so right. you're yeah. in control of like one of those three things. Yeah. And the thing that, which is not to say you shouldn't focus on what you can control, right? And that can make a very meaningful difference. But at the same time, I mean, I remember we've had, I remember one day in particular, we had two patients come into a clinic I was in and one of them was like an, a triathlete and the other one must have been like 300 pounds. And I always ask people, like, why are you coming in? And when you see someone who's 300 pounds, you like, for sure, there's that little voice that's just like, oh, well, maybe there are some things you can do anyhow, some sort of obvious lifestyle changes. But then you come in the machine and they're, they're, the triathlete had, we found lung cancer in, and the person who had 300 pounds was like 100% pristine on the inside. Wow. So it's just, that doesn't mean that everyone who's, you know, like, um, that have these like metabolic conditions aren't unhealthy uh, or are healthy, but it's just like luck plays a really important part or genetics plays a really important right. part. I have a friend in LA who's a, who's a policeman. And um, I mean, he's very fit. He's I think 60, but he looks like he's 40. And he, after a Pranuva scan, I said, he asked me, what else should you do? And I said, go get a CT calcium score of your heart. It's a guy that works out five days a week. And he um, he got the scan and he the doctor called him urgently and said, you're like a walking heart attack waiting to happen. Wow. You need to get on statins right now. Oy. So that's not at all related to his lifestyle. It's just he has genetics that sort right. of predispose him for putting, you know, for calcification in his coronary arteries. So, so you control what you can control, but it's always good to check, um, you know, um, because no one has no risk by definition. Right. Sorry to say. No, I know. It's like t- doomsday, but no, it's it's true. And I think it's it's amazing. I think that I saw a friend on Instagram post that he had done the scan and they found cancer and he was like sharing the love for the scan, right? Like he was like, it's so amazing that this allowed yeah. me to have some control in a in a world where I don't have a lot, right? And 
it was caught early. And I think like just just seeing that it's a it's a tool that I understand that it costs money. It's it's not cheap, right? But if you have one life to live and you can do something like this to get some answers, I mean, I think it's it's a it's a wildly powerful thing. And I think about too in that third bucket of more about just aging, you know, like I would want to come in and let's let's say, let's hope that bucket one and bucket two are not something that we have findings for, but bucket three, you know, I would want to know, are there simple lifestyle changes that I can be making, right? Are there supplements that I can be taking? You know, like I would just want to partner on that journey to make sure that once I get that information, like I love, I, I am a control freak. So I'd want to be able to explore the tools further, whether it's with you or with a partner that allows, allows to at least, at least do something about the information that I found, right? Or like at least be more proactive on that journey. So just a thought. Yeah. I, I mean, I, the the key concept here is just have like agency to choose how you want to live your life. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you need to have a lot of information. So when you think about the longevity space, you know, whenever I went to the conferences, those were always like, um, I mean, those guys had six packs, guys and girls, you know, it was like, I feel inadequate when I go to a conference <laughs> that has anything to do with longevity, but you know, like, Running a startup is a, you know, a growing business is very stressful and you don't sleep enough and all these sorts of things. Like the, it comes at a cost, right? The question is like, how do you quantify that cost? You know, how do you know whether that trade off makes sense? And for me, I get a scan every year and I know actually I'm pretty healthy on the inside. Um, I'm way healthier on the inside than I might look on the outside. And that <laughs> makes me feel comfortable about focusing on changing the world. If yeah. The reverse was true. Then maybe I would be focusing my attention differently, mm. you know? Super powerful. So, so this is really for everyone. Um, you know, if, if you're if if you have a partner that's nagging you that you should look after yourself more, you come get a scan and everything everything's good. You have all the evidence in the world to keep working hard. Um, I mean, believe me, I I think the example of the dentist is such the perfect example because so many people have fear going into it. They put it off. It becomes this swirl in your head of worry. But I'm in the camp that I'd rather know. I, I I think agency is one of the greatest things that we have over our lives. And even genetics. I want to know as much as I can about my genetics because I don't I don't want to turn on, potentially turn on those negative genetic markers that already are going to be existing with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do as many things as I can to live well and live long. Um one thing that you mentioned is is around cost, right? Like this is an out-of-pocket treatment. Do we see healthcare moving this way at all? Like, are there any circumstances where you see insurance covering this? I think people can use their HSA and FSA potentially to right. have yeah. tax-free. Shoot, that's like a, saving a third of the cost. But is healthcare ever going to catch up with us? Or are we constantly going to be like, to live, to be healthy, we're going to have to go spend some dough? Well, Lauren, I would like to believe that I will. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why is that there's a few forces at work here that I think are really important. Um, one is coming out of COVID, there's a focus on preventive health like never before. Um, two, I think, and this is a bit unfair because I think um, doctors were at the forefront of like saving a lot of lives during that period, but I think people's trust in the healthcare system is at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. And I think even the people that work in that system feel like it's at breaking point. And so a lot of what we've done over the last 20, 30, 40 years has been these incremental changes, you know, like a billion dollar idea is a blockbuster cancer drug that makes you live like 
on average two years, two months longer. So, um, you know, I think there's a receptiveness for transformative solutions today that there, that there wasn't in the past. That doesn't mean it will happen next year, but I think it all, you know, I'm hopeful that it will be a lot faster than previous screening tests took to get covered. I'm hopeful too. Me too. <laughs> well, and also I've heard that insurance companies are not necessarily incentivized to um, be encouraging of preventative because what happened, they're not, we're not in for the long haul with them. So they're not potentially saving money because you might just go change your job, carries a different insurance provider, or you find a better rate. And so they're not as committed to your long-term health because they just want to make sure that you get the cheapest treatment on the symptoms that you have now. Let's go back to yeah, Andrew's it's, it's a, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. I think it's in the US, there's some extra sort of structural challenges. But I think we'll get there. Um, I do too. In the meantime, we just work to bring the cost down as much as we can. And we hope that patients or people, I wouldn't even use the word patient because that sort of implies you're sick. But, you know, folks out there think of us as best they can in the same sort of category they think about a gym membership or a, you know, buying organic or, you know, those sorts of things. You know, um, this is an investment that we make as individuals in our health so that we never have to end up in a situation where we're sort of chasing things, um, you know, late. You're in an amazing space in in the healthcare industry outside of this company you've built and this amazing scan that people can do. What are some other preventative tools and resources that you can offer our listeners? I mean, I like it can be as big or small. I mean, I have an aura ring and I love it because I think sleep is wildly important. But um, any podcasts, any brands, any businesses, anything that you are inspired by? Yeah, I mean, there's so much now. That's the crazy thing um, in the last few years. I would say if I think about medical tests, first of all, I still think people should do the recommended screening tests that um, you know, the various different preventive societies, um, tell us to do like mammogram or, I mean, colonoscopy now, the fastest growing category of colon cancer are young people. So the earlier you can get one of these, the better. Um, and there's a mail-in kit that you can use. There and is. there's a mail-in kit as well. <laughs> Thank you. Card. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is great. Um, the, Then I think about things that we don't cover. So we don't image the heart in great detail. So we don't look at the coronary arteries. We can tell a lot about how healthy your cardiovascular system is by other parts of the body, but we can't really tell you directly what your risk of heart attack is. So there's this thing called a calcium score. It's not covered by insurance, but it's like two to three hundred dollars. I would recommend. You know, I think it was recommended to me to get this when I was in my forties, just to. Double check that I'm not one of those people that has a high genetic risk. Um, and so I, I, I am a big believer in that. Um, and then in terms of wellness products, I also use the Ura Ring. Um, I think, although I struggle to charge it sometimes. Me too. Um, that's so honestly, that's Andrew, that's catchy. the hardest, that's the hardest part. And I get <laughs> so mad when I miss a night, but on the flip side, I get really excited when I wake up and I have a crown. Like I literally like, Tell my friends. I'm like, I got a crown. She does. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's really improved. I, I know that she's really improved her deep sleep. Thank you. Thank you. But I, I mean, I can, I'm just, it's a data point of one, but when I sleep badly, I eat badly, I mm-hmm. exercise badly. So it just feels like it's the, it's this, you know, it's the root of most evils. 
I'm also much more cranky, which, which oh, my yeah. team doesn't. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I li- that's why sometimes I communicate to friends when I didn't get a crown because I'm like, just so you know, today may not be a good day. And this is why. So I'm with and you. Then the last thing um, I would say is just some routine blood work. And there mm-hmm. are a number of companies that are doing this now. I know 23andMe just launched something, I believe, recently. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the um, uh, There's a company called Inside Tracker that has these sort of like routine blood tests. There's a number of companies that are doing this. And I think that's... I think that's the other piece of the puzzle. So we can see anything physiologically going on, but we can't see what's going on sort of metabolically. We only see the end organ damage from metabolic conditions. Mm. So blood test, Prenuvo scan, um, maybe a neuro ring, one calcium score to make sure that everything's cool there and, um, you know, just the normal eat healthy, look after yourself, not too much stress. And that's my formula. I'm not a doctor, but that's sort of what I do. And um, it's worked okay so far. From a guy that lives in LA and works in healthcare, it's a pretty straightforward list. We, lo- I, we love yeah. it. We yeah. celebrate your list, Andrew. <laughs> I haven't tried some of the other, I mean, this not to say I don't, I just don't, can't, I don't have enough information to endorse some of the other things that people are doing, with, you know, yeah, the freezing no. masks and the, infrared saunas and there's yeah, well, tons of stuff well, well we can talk yeah we can talk about Chicago. that we all the time the ropes. lauren and i have tried every modality that has like ever been offered to the to humans in society so we can let you know we can we can talk offline about that um, we'll create a program like freezing bath protocol is, for you. isn't the freezing bath in that category of things that probably is good for you but like it's just too you I mean, would think lots of things I don't do that are good for me because <laughs> it's just too difficult to do them. <laughs> you would think, but the dopamine hit. And honestly, once you're in there for over 45 seconds, it all of the pain goes away. And Lauren's very competitive. So when I went with her one time, she was like, I'm going to stay in for like the six minutes, which I'm is like the, six the max. That, so it's, you know, part of that too, Andrew, you know? Well, I guarantee you if I do one, uh, if I, I'm very competitive as well. So I, I will, I'm sure outlast anyone. And I feel great about like or, going or, in. Yeah. Or become unconscious in the process. <laughs> exactly. I feel really good They're about like, like you did great. You passed in. out after 15 yeah, exactly. minutes. Which I've done actually. I don't think fun. I don't think you need to be in more than six. Yeah, six is six is six, six is, is a really long time. Seconds or minutes? No, minutes. 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 Oh, yeah, I know. Yes. <laughs> On average, I do three minutes. When I do it at the gym, I typically do three minutes. And it's not nearly as cold as like a real ice bath. But it's like a cold. Whenever, I, I watched a show with Tony Robbins and he has one of these in his backyard. Oh yeah. He was talking about doing this plunge thing. And he's like, I've been doing this for 20 years and I don't look forward to it any day <laughs> of my life. I'm like, that, if this guy still doesn't look forward to it after 20 years, right? this is not going to be easy for me to do. I think you feel a little high after. Just a little. And the first time that you do it, you'll sleep very, very well. And if you're asleep, dude, it will be worth it for you. You'll get a gold. You'll get a gold crown that night. <laughs> I mean, we were just like fully trying to convince you to do a guy's <laughs> All right. Enough about us, babe. I got well, I, I'm going to tell you, we're just really grateful. I think what you're bringing to people, not patients, not patients is wildly important. And I personally cannot wait to meditate in the scan. Yeah. Because it's going to be my new version of the doc- of the dentist office. Appreciate That's you. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be, I, I look forward to you guys experiencing it. Can I maybe just, I mean, one thought to finish on in some ways yeah, of course. would be, there's something I'm really passionate about and I sort of spent a lot of time thinking about, well, why are we not afraid to go to the dentist? Like what have they done that we haven't done as a 
you know, why is that the only successful preventive health modality, well, in our healthcare system? And I think somehow they've managed through like this routine screening to really change what it means to have a dental disease, you know, a filling or something like this. They've like redefined literally what disease means in the context of mouth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really what we're trying to do at the company. And so if, if, if you have listeners that might be nervous about coming in, which I completely understand, I think it's worth reflecting on like where that nervousness comes from. And, and, and I would put to your listeners that that nervousness is coming from the fact that we have a healthcare system that only diagnoses things late. Even when we talk about conditions that sound quite horrible, like cancer, I mean, we always, everyone's like, oh, the big C, you know. Yeah. Um, well, over 90% of the cancer we find is stage one. And that means that, you know, a stage one cancer is something you can usually excise. It's in a day procedure. You know, no one needs to know about it. You know, cancer is caught at the average stage of detection. I mean, you're quitting a job and your life is now trying to figure out how to like get over this thing. So, you know, we're really trying to like how we know we've succeeded in changing like the healthcare system will be when people start to think about disease as just sort of like body maintenance, you know, Mm. Uh, like getting your car checked out. You know, here's the list of you're leaking a bit of oil here. This is what you should do about that. You know, the brakes are wearing a bit weird. Maybe don't you know, break as fast at the stoplight, you know, this sort of, like these sort of instructions applied to our lives. Um, that's kind of the world that we're trying to create. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're in the very early beginnings of this, but we're sort of building, a, I don't know, a, 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 a following of people, a tribe of folks that want to approach their personal healthcare a different way. That resonates with me. Same. Surely. It gives me a lot of excitement. I think that there's so much positive energy around people having agency and moving towards health. So, yeah. And unwriting the narrative to your point of, you know, when it's found late and it's this like really dark or how about with with agency over your body and your health, think about all that you can do when you find things early and how much you can change and longevity and all of those really powerful things. So I love it. Very into it. How do people find you and Prenuvo? Where where can we send our listeners? Because I know that we're going to have a ton of interest. Uh, sure. So they can obviously go to the website at pranuva.com. That's uh, P-R-E-N-U-V-O.com. And uh, we're now in nine locations in the US. We're opening another bunch over the coming year. For some of the ones that are closer to being opening, there's wait lists on the website. So you better see all those locations. But the ones uh, that we have that, that are already open are Vancouver, San Francisco, LA, Dallas, Boca Raton, New York, Washington, DC, Minneapolis, and Chicago. Woohoo! Um, and there we go. We just opened Chicago. It's, I, in my opinion, it's the most beautiful of the clinics we well, have. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Um, <laughs> we like, we can't wait to visit. We like beautiful clinics. And you, and when you said it's more like a spa, Lauren and I were like, well, guess what? We love to go to spas. So we're excited. Well, you know what? But we didn't do it for that reason. We did it because, again, like people associate, going to a hospital with scary right. stuff. And so we had to make it not feel like you're going to a doctor. Yeah. Um, so that we get you in the right frame of mind to start thinking about healthcare differently. Yeah. Starts there. That's what you're doing. Thank you for yes. being you and your time and for sharing all the wisdom. And we're really, really grateful to be able to share this with our people. For sure. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Lauren. Of Thanks, course. Andrew. Thank you. 
friends. This has been fun. Thanks for spending some quality time with us. If you need more of us in your life, we totally get it. Follow us on Instagram at wellbehavedpodcast. Also, we aren't selfish. Tell us what you need and want to learn more about by sending us a note at wellbehavedpodcast at gmail.com or slide into our DMs. We prefer that anyway. Until next time, stay well and somewhat behaved.